Welcome to Hilliard Studio Podcast, your resource for everything happening in the Hilliard Studio Method world. Need some new gear for the summer season? Because you're one of our loyal podcast listeners, we've got a deal for you. Take 20% off all apparel at HilliardStudioMethod.com by using the promo code PODCAST. That's 20% off all apparel at HilliardStudioMethod.com by using the promo code PODCAST. Thanks for listening. And now, here's your hosts, Liz Hilliard and Lee Canelli. Welcome, everybody, to Hilliard Studio Podcast. I'm Lee Canelli. And I'm Liz Hilliard. Today, we have two very special guests. So we are with our friend and HSM client, Molly Shaw, who is the CEO and president of Communities and Schools. We are also joined by Christopher Capel, and I will let you kind of tell our listeners what your job is, Chris, but let's just get started. Molly, say hello. Chris, say hello, and let us know what y'all do here at Communities and Schools. Hello, everyone. Uh, My name is Christopher Capel. I am the vice president of program quality and design. Uh, and I've been serving communities and schools at large for 14 years locally, CIS of Charlotte, since the pandemic hit <laughs> March 23rd. Yep. So Chris joined our team at Communities and Schools of Charlotte a week after wow. schools closed. Yeah. Um, in fact, today is the first time that I have seen Chris in person oh, since wow. he really? started. Really? Can so. I just say also that we're all four sitting in masks and we are going to do this entire podcast in mass. Yeah. And it was your idea, Molly. And we are socially distanced for sure. But tell us why you really wanted to do that. Yeah. So I thought Liz was about to say this is not working, but she is standing, <laughs> standing in solidarity with all of us. We've decided that because our students will be in masks every day beginning the school year um, mm-hmm. as they come back into school, that it's important to stand with them and to get a little taste of what it's going to be like to interact and learn and grow behind a mask. Exactly. Molly, tell us about CIS for all of our listeners who may not be familiar with your organization. Sure. So Communities and Schools has been around for over 40 years. And the real concept is that every single child deserves to have multiple caring adults in their lives. Mm. So the families of the students that we work with are caring adults who love them deeply. Uh, We also believe that inside the schoolhouse, having as many people who know students, who understand what's happening in their lives, who identify and understand their strengths, as well as know what challenges might be facing them, um, are really going to be those who can look out for kids and can wrap them in full support and Mm -hmm. ensure sure that they that they thrive and are successful. So we place full-time professionals inside schools every day. And we have about 90 of those team members who work inside schools right now who work outside schools, Mm. inside communities with kids and families, making sure they have everything from access to food, clothes, housing, to also academic support, that they've got technology to log in to be part of their classes, and that they have social emotional support, mental health support. And as Chris likes to say, that they can be a kid and have fun. How in the world are you navigating that right now. We have, what, two weeks of CMS going back to school and then we're going to remote learn. I believe you have 47,000 children living in poverty in Charlotte. Is that correct? 
How are you, how are you doing that? Yeah. So the, the beautiful part about, you know, 2020 is technology Mm -hmm. and our, our staff who are working in the schools have built tremendous relationships with the families and students, as well as the school staff. And so that trust factor, because of the relationships that they built before schools were closed, we were able to have access to kids and we've revamped right before the pandemic hit and schools were closed. Molly and the leadership team decided, okay, what we need is contact information right now. This was a plan before schools were even closed. Okay. And so all of our staff were able to gain contact information for all of the students, I'm going to say all, for the majority of our students. And with their contact information, they had regularly scheduled meetings with students. They were calling, checking in, texting, doing Zoom meetings, case managing virtually. It's possible. Mm -hmm. We just had to think outside of the bun a little bit. Mm -hmm. And when we're so relational, Mm -hmm. our relationships didn't fade. It was how we conducted and went about delivering our, our services and supports just had to shift a bit. And now we're doing more virtual work mm-hmm. as opposed to in person. But the, the power of a camera is right. very much real. Uh, we did experience a Zoom fatigue. Yeah. Uh, that, that was a very real thing. Yeah. But we the, understand that at Hilliard yeah. Studio Method. <laughs> yeah. uh, but again, the the strength of the relationships really came through and even, even de- developed more. Uh, Mm -hmm. relationships and stronger relationships with our families. In some cases, our staff had great relationships with kids Mm -hmm. because they saw them every day. Right. Mm -hmm. And not so much with their families. Mm -hmm. But now you're now forced to have a conversation with Mr. and Mrs. Capel because, you know, who's this grown man calling my kid trying to set up a Zoom. Right. Uh, But building the rapport with the families and and meeting their needs as well, because we're all stressed. We're all going through this together. It isn't just kids and, and families have their, their own needs and their own struggles. Mm-hmm. And so our, our staff were in a position to, to help meet the needs of the entire family in a very different and a deeper way than ever before. Wow. Do you think that has made communities and schools potentially more successful Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a gift and a curse, I believe. Sure. You know that, you know, there are some struggles because Zoom fatigue is very real. And Mm -hmm. then we once we will get into the digital divide. Mm -hmm. That's also problematic for for some of our Mm -hmm. families. But for those that remain tuned in, Mm -hmm. you know, they we were able to meet and identify needs quicker Mm -hmm. uh, and, and be more responsive to those very specific needs. I mean, food was a major issue in the beginning. Technology was a major issue in the beginning. And all of our staff did ongoing weekly needs assessments for every single student and family that we Every serve. single student in the Charlotte Mecklenburg. That we serve. That right. you serve. That, we, that, that are a part of communities and schools that okay. we had that we had access to. We, we were constantly, what do you need from us? How can we help? That was our approach in every conversation. Do kids in, I'm sorry to interrupt, do kids in every school in Charlotte Mecklenburg system have access to communities and schools? No. No. So, so if you think about Charlotte as a whole, we have, um, we have about 150,000 kids inside of CMS schools. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Of more than half, between 50 and 60 percent of our students in CMS schools live below the poverty line okay. um, or below the need line. Uh, right now, we case manage about 10 percent of those students. So we have about 6,000 students every day wow. who are working with our team members. We also connect 
services to about 30,000 kids. So about half of those students inside the district. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a need for every kid to have communities and schools in their lives. And we're not there yet. How I have so many questions. (laughs) Go ahead. I mean, how are you going to reach these kids? I mean, some kids don't have iPads or communication devices to do zoom and some parents are, you know, working all day. And, you know, there's many issues that we don't even know that are happening in, in homes. And yeah. the need is huge. And the the resources are, you guys have an incredible organization, but there's a lot of people out there. Yeah. So I think the first thing I would say is that one of the reasons I love working at communities and schools is that everything we do, we do with partners. Yeah. So we have over a hundred organizations across Charlotte, other nonprofits who partner with us regularly to make sure kids are getting what they need. Mm-hmm. They may not have the intensive case management, but they are okay. offering different parts and pieces that help create holistic experiences for kids, um, which is critical for success. So partnership is a big piece. Mm-hmm. I also think, um, you know, we've got a district that's really dedicated to ensuring that all students are going to receive an equitable education right now. Mm-hmm. So they're thinking a lot about how kids are going to be reached. For example, they have lent out all Mm -hmm. of their Chromebooks to families who don't have technology in the home to ensure that students will have that technology support. And they're continuing to maintain and to upgrade and to ensure that that exists. We serve as a liaison to help let the district know when a student may have Mm-hmm. A Chromebook that's not working or if they per, if they didn't get one in the first round. Mm-hmm. So we're working in partnership with them as well. OK, so an example of how you serve a child. And I think my question is, how long do you stay with the child? Like at what point do you consider your work successful? So do you start at a young age? Are you in each school and your site coordinators figure it out? Like, how is it work? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Uh, and so it varies. It depends on the student. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do uh, a needs assessment for every single student that is on our caseload, identifying what little Chris's needs are and work toward meeting those needs. And we have students that have that are on the caseload. If there is a feeder pattern from elementary to middle school to high school, Okay. If that is possible. And we've also uh, we have what we call differentiated services and recognizing that every single student needs very specific things. Mm -hmm. And so we've structured our programming design to where uh, we're meeting students needs that students may have very intensive needs. And we have programs designed to address those needs, Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, programs for newcomers. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have programs for students who are raising children who have children on their of their own okay. or are about to be parents we have students that are uh, that we focus just on uh, college post-secondary educational tracks uh, and also that youth development side the, the students that need just someone to walk alongside them to help mm-hmm. them navigate life mm-hmm. and, and so based on those different differentiated services, Students come into our program or are referred to our program and our staff really work to meet those needs. And yes, it very well could be that working with Chris, Chris's needs are met. Let's say Chris has an attendance issue Mm -hmm. coming in. Chris has missed, I don't know, let's just say 81 days already. And the, the goal is for Chris's attendance to improve. 
it's it's not just about seeing the numbers decrease, mm-hmm. but getting to the reason why Chris was missing school in the first place. Got and it. so if Chris's absenteeism was caused by an, an abrupt change in the family dynamic, let's say Chris's parents got divorced and I just could not deal or Chris uh, suffered a traumatic loss of a sibling or friend due to gun violence. And I'm just I'm, mm-hmm. I'm disengaged mm-hmm. working through whatever the cause is will help. Sometimes it's, it, it takes it takes a shorter amount of time than others. Mm-hmm. And so when we're dealing with like traumatic issues that very well could take years for someone to deal to to get a grip on. Uh, if it's a, a relationship between the student, the family and the school itself. So I don't feel welcomed here mm-hmm. um, or I don't I don't see education as being important in my family or in my future. That's a different conversation and getting to the root of that. So how we see success really depends on the student. Right. And it could very well be that Chris, little Chris, is a part of communities and schools until he graduates Mm -hmm. and goes on to college. It could be that little Chris is successful and the site coordinator at that school has worked with them. And it's not in a, it's not like cold Turkey, like success, Mm -hmm. high five, no longer in CIS. (laughs) It is more of a, of a tapered off, you know, reduction of, you know, the the frequency and the duration of the service, as opposed to you think you're good now, you're good. It's not the odds, may the odds ever be in your favor. Yeah. It is, we'll continue to work with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is, it just may be decreased in some way. So you've talked about you've got a lot of resources in different groups that work with these children. And going back to what you said at the very beginning, you said this is Zoom, Zoom, and we've also experienced this actually brings a new um, a, a new relationship quality mm-hmm. to you and the students. Um, and knowing now that you're involved more with their parents and their families, does it empower their own family and maybe families in that school that's underserved? to band together and maybe you all coordinate families to band together to help these children more than you could when you were just one-on-one with these kids at school. Does that make sense? I mean, in other words, empowering the families to, you know, get with their community members and sort of help you do your work. Does that happen? Yeah. So I I think you're talking about building community. Right. Um, and so communities and schools, which is now moving more towards communities and community, <laughs> yeah. um, is going to rely on multiple community structures coming together. Chris mm-hmm. and I were talking before this about, you know, what does it mean for teachers right. and for those who are similar to our direct service team members every, every day inside schools, those are the people who are making the greatest sacrifices right now. They're the Mm -hmm. first responders. They don't have paychecks like doctors and nurses, Mm -hmm. but they're still going to show up every single day, um, put themselves at risk and make sure that kids have a great start to the year. What does it mean if you have a teacher living down the street? How do we build community with that person? Like we should be in the first three weeks, we should be taking every baked good and every thank you card we have to the teachers around Absolutely. us. Um, so finding ways to build community and finding ways for communities to interact with one another mm-hmm. and to really, I think in many ways to kind of capitalize on each other's strengths is going to be really, really important. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think also a part of our work, particularly in the past several months is seeing how 
very parents have very specific needs as well. And there, there is space for uh, parents to be engaged in, in clusters, so to speak, and mm-hmm. to build that support. And what Molly is, is referring to is also occurring with our parents. So what about those parents that, that are on our caseload that are aware of other parents who are disengaging? Mm-hmm. that do not have space for their children to actually do the work uh, or it's too crowded or their internet isn't, isn't great. You know, rallying, encouraging and empowering our other parents Yes, to do exactly what Molly is saying, go down the street, just check on them and to be a liaison and mm-hmm. a partner in our work that has, that has been and will be, a major part of how we function going forward going forward and such a bright spot in this. And in many ways, I feel like that is a huge upside to this. No one wants to be in the situation these kids are in or these teachers are in, but for the communities literally to be in touch like that and more com- community oriented and taking care of their own. Yeah. And is recognizing the goal, that, that, you know, community is not your neighborhood alone. Mm-hmm. Community is, this entire community. So we may not live down the street from someone, Mm -hmm. but what would it mean for HSM clients, for example, to go to their PTA to say, hey, we're banding together. We're finding ways for our children to get what we need in this unique circumstance. But we also have additional dollars. Mm -hmm. We have resources and we could pay Mm -hmm. for remote tutoring Mm -hmm. for other children. We may not know them, but they're our neighbor. Right. They're right. our community too. And so there are groups that are beginning to talk about that and think Good. through it. And I think the biggest thing is to take an initiative. So yeah. I don't know if you know Sarah and Matt Olin, mm-hmm. but they're beginning to think through what that could look like. But I mm-hmm. think we've got to do that in everybody who has something like once it's inside you, once you feel that sense of like, I've got to do something, mm-hmm. don't wait for someone else to bring that idea to fruition. Be entrepreneurial, be Liz right. Hilliard, you know, right. and figure out how to make that happen and create it within your own community for your entire community. Mm-hmm. So important. Um, let's go a little more deeply into the resources. Let's look at it maybe twofold. If your communities and schools last year, right? Not within a pandemic. What are the obstacles that the students are facing? Maybe the top three or five, generally speaking, and then let's look at it now and how that's changed. Molly, I will let you speak to Charlotte specific, uh, if you don't mind. And then I'll jump in about. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I think we kind of have, because we are focused on kids holistically mm-hmm. and, you know, just because a kid is a crisis doesn't also mean that they don't want to go and see the ballet. Right. 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 Kids are kids and we have to build them as full grown human beings with multiple experiences. So you do have a group of students who are in crisis every single day. So they may be housing insecure. They may not have food. There may be, um, they may have parents that aren't living at home. They may be newcomers and their, their parents are nowhere around them. So Mm -hmm. there's, there's a whole group of kids who are living in crisis every day. Okay. There also are students who are not in crisis, but 
for many different reasons, they are disengaging. They're not coming to school as regularly. There may be behavioral issues. School may not be an environment that's been supportive for them or their families, um, or they may not be performing academically. And then you've got kids that communities and schools works with who are excelling. They're doing well. They've overcome a lot of barriers um, and they're ready for that next step, but they don't have access. Okay. No one has opened up the door to the college admissions process for mm-hmm. them, like happens mm-hmm. for many kids. They're not, you know, going and visiting their family member in the tall buildings of Uptown Charlotte to learn about different jobs. So that group of students needs something really different, too. So we try to create to meet kids where they are to make sure that those who are in crisis are stabilized. Those who may be sliding Mm-hmm. are also stabilized and then are really on a path towards improvement, mm-hmm. self-improvement within themselves. They drive right. it. We never drive it. It comes from within our kids. Mm-hmm. And then those who are ready to roll and they just need like doors opened so that they can run through them. So we see the same things now, but the crisis piece mm-hmm. has been like accelerated beyond. Right, so kids right. who may have been kind of in that sliding category, all of a sudden their family's trying to figure out where am I going to live? What am Mm. I going to eat? I don't have a job anymore. Um, So we've been focusing a lot of attention on the crisis piece, but we can't lose sight of the other side of keeping school and engaging space for kids to learn and grow, to really become, you know, exactly who Mm. they're supposed to be. Yes. And and on top of all of that, uh, all of our students and all, I think uh, everyone in the entire world is dealing with a, a sense of grief. Mm-hmm. And for many of our students, this is, is new and new in particular because it's so long right? and yeah. it's, and it's no one saw it coming and no one knows what to say or do about it. Yeah. And so there's this overwhelming sense of helplessness mm-hmm. and in some cases, hopelessness mm-hmm. and, that is one thing that we were trying or not even trying that we were combating as school closed and seniors found out that they weren't going to be able to walk. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sports were canceled. Prom was canceled. The loss of so many things, it just happened. Mm -hmm. And again, so many of our students, when we talk about social emotional learning, don't necessarily have the tools or the language to say, I'm sad right now Mm -hmm. or I'm angry because I can't go to prom and having space for students as well as families and some faculty at schools. I bet. I mean, faculty at the same time, these, this is what you're speaking to is what's happening for everyone. Everyone. And I think the more I, I would guess if the more an adult person, even a teacher or faculty speaks to their own students about their own grief or just opening up. I I have no idea, but I would think that would help if I was a child instead of scare me more. I want to hear the truth. Don't you think kids need, you know, absolutely. I mean, we all do. We We all need to hear the truth. And that is what our site staff, you know, that they're great at. And again, in pre COVID pre pandemic, I think I, I would argue that our staff had the best job in the building <laughs> because they they were the in some cases uh, one of the few, if not the only person where the kids didn't have to see them. They wanted to see them. Mm. And that's a very different position. Yeah. Right. And so because we're naturally in the hope building business and, right. and Molly said it so eloquently that 
And in most cases, we're not pouring a whole lot in. We're simply pulling out what's already in kids. Right. right. So create allowing space for students to simply be 12 yeah. to say this is raggedy right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm saying it is, yeah. too. You know, I mean, we can all say yeah. that. And, and for and for our staff to be honest, mm-hmm. to say, I get it. Mm-hmm. I'm frustrated, too. And and the students receive it because it's not they're not doing it because of some sort of obligation. Mm -hmm. They're saying this because they genuinely feel that way Mm -hmm. and they're sharing it because of the relationship that they've built with the students. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say that the relationships piece about our work is it, you know, the best part of communities and schools is our relationships with every single human that we come in contact with, whether it be students, faculty, parents, partners, it's everything and allowing a space for students and families and some staff to just talk about how they're feeling mm-hmm. and to hear how another grown up right. is experiencing this in a professional manner. Are you hearing much from faculty as far as as far as, you know, being in this community oriented, you know, just I know you're talking to the kids and to the parents but it seems to me teachers are pretty nervous and teachers are, are asking the exact same questions you just said. This is a raggedy time. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid to walk in the classroom. I didn't sign up to put my life in, on, you know, on the line for this. How, do you do do you offer any support for these faculty members or well, is that just way out? So there's a lot on your plate. I know I'm just wondering what what happens there? Well, I would say I'll, I'll share this, that. We haven't provided necessarily services mm-hmm. for teachers and staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, our staff have built tremendous relationships with the school staff. We have what's called a student support team at mm-hmm. the respective schools, and they were in constant communication even over the summer with, you know, helping to establish plans, uh, what's happening with X, Y, and Z student, or we can't get in contact with mm-hmm. certain students. Do you have the information? And so we were the relationships with the school staff is 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 largely strong. Mm-hmm. We haven't necessarily again provided those those supports. Yes, the relationships that our staff have with certain staff, we we are that soft space to land uh, for for staff, but nothing yeah, formal. As a as a parent of an incoming kindergartner oh, um, who wow. will be attending Collinswood Language Academy, which is an a dual language immersion mm-hmm. school. Um, you know, I think for anyone who is a parent, really making sure that we're checking in with teachers and that we're sending a message to our teachers and to anybody who's inside mm-hmm. the school mm-hmm. house every day that we are listening to them, mm-hmm. that we're appreciative. Yes, the mandate is that schools will open, but really understanding what's happening inside schools and how teachers are feeling and asking about that and really standing again in solidarity with our teachers is going to be really important. I think that's good. And I don't want to stay on the teachers too much, but we do have a teacher that works for us at Hilliard Studio Method. And during the beginning of this pandemic, she sometimes she works the desk on weekends and she was down just like you can imagine yeah. because she couldn't reach her kids. Um, she's in a, an underserved neighborhood school. And she said there was just so many more than she had a Zoom class and some days five would show up. Mm. Some days none. 
and she was really, you know, that was the beginning. And, I, and we haven't talked to her in a long time. And we, we are going to talk to a teacher soon about these very things. But um, it's just so frustrating for them and for these kids. I, I, I didn't know how much you guys were doing for the, the community as far as really bringing the families and the kids together. And I think that's going to be key. And a lot of the, the set, the hardships for these teachers is going to be served through that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's important to also remember that there's a lot of inequity mm -hmm. in this country and in our own community. And the pandemic has been another example mm -hmm. of showcasing that inequity. I mean, the, the people who are disproportionately affected mm -hmm. by this pandemic are people of color mm -hmm. and tend to be people who are living in low income circumstances. So, you know, through no fault mm -hmm. of anybody's own, again, the system is stacked against entire groups of people. And so especially thinking about the teachers that are working inside of those schools or the teachers who themselves fall into those disproportionately affected mm -hmm. categories um, is really important. And it's not just teachers. It's our team who's there every day right. on the ground. It's those who are there helping to make sure that the campus is safe and clean. It's people ensuring that meals are provided. I mean, there's a whole host of people, teachers kind of it gets lumped under teachers, but mm -hmm. we're all working mm -hmm. together. And, and there are people out there who truly are putting their well-being and their family's right. well-being on the line. Well, what I think community. is so beautiful, you know, while we're here speaking with you today and what I'm hearing you say is some of the most, you know, high poverty disenfranchised groups are the ones that give us kind of a sense of purpose or reason to get up out of our own, you know, quote unquote, tough times and make the best of a situation. I mean, Chris, you've talked so much about how hopeful this is. I love how you talked about what you're trying to do with communities and schools, giving children that empowerment, that intrinsic motivation to learn. And that during a really hard time, kind of all the fluff fades away and the reality of life comes to the table and how are we going to deal with it? So I just appreciate so much, you know, your positive message because it's a really tough time for everybody. And I think the people, all of our listeners, and we know a lot of them, Molly and people we know, but people that are listening all over, whether they're in Charlotte, Mecklenburg or not, want to know what, what is something specifically right. without being a member of a group that they could do to assist in this? Because as you just said, as Lee just said, the assisting also buoys the spirits of the community. It goes both ways. I know that I'll bet you that when you go into those schools, Chris, what you give to them, you walk away with tenfold. Am I right? I mean, Correct. for the, the beauty of seeing someone thrive because you have made a move. Mm. So how does somebody make a step to help here? So I have three things. I'm sure Chris will have more to add. <laughs> um, so the first is really simple and it is to wear a mask. Mm hmm. Um, bef before we can know our schools are safe, we have to figure, we have to figure this out as a community. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's a really easy one. Um, secondly, it may be a little unexpected, but before I would even tell people to financially support nonprofits that are supporting kids, which I will, that will be number three. The, the second thing is to recognize what 
the role that systemic racism plays in all of this. Mm-hmm. And in order to recognize that, and we talked about truths, the importance of understanding and really knowing truths, we've got to begin to do that work ourselves. Mm. And so if that's not work that's already begun for whoever might be listening, I think um, it's one of the most important things that we can do for our kids every day to really understand what are the barriers that they're facing, because those barriers, again, those are not barriers that come from within our kids. They come from the environments that our kids have been born into and grow up into every single day. It doesn't come from their families. It comes from the system. It comes from the fact that we live in a world where some people have been valued more than others. And the more we can understand those truths, the more we're going to be able to take action to make those changes and to create a better world for our kids. And then lastly, I would say to support the organizations that are doing that work, that are creating those worlds um, and that are really trying to work to change the system at large. Love the wear the mask piece. Please wear your masks. And going off of what Molly just shared around recognizing how systemic racism plays a major role in this is no matter where you live, it is asking questions about the schools that are around where you live. Uh, what is the curriculum? Is the, is the curriculum diverse? And whether you have a, a student at that school or not, is this a place where you, if you did have kids, would you enroll them? And if the answer is no, why not? Right. Great and, question. Good one. And move accordingly. You know, the, 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 the debt that privilege people of privilege owe to the people who don't have privilege is to pay that privilege forward. The the debt that people who are free owe to those who are not is to set them free. Mm -hmm. We have to do our part. And so simply showing up and beginning to ask the questions, if it is a subpar learning environment and you would never send your kids there, why, why do we allow other people to send theirs? Why is that okay? I think that's the best question. I know. Well, I think that's really timely. Before we came here today, um, John Lewis's funeral procession was on the news. And it just rings so true the minute you said that. If not us, who? And if not now, when? When? And I think that's a very powerful thing for everybody to remember. Um, I wanted to ask about how this affected you personally, right? So Mm -hmm. we care so much about the children and your your organization, but how Chris is a leader, Molly is a leader. How have you handled this and what have you learned in your positions? I've learned lots. (laughs) (laughs) On the fly, I might add. So as Molly shared, this is our first time seeing each other in real life. Uh, (laughs) Except for nine years ago when you were working here. When I first started. Full circle. Yeah. Yeah. And we saw each other in Chicago Mm -hmm. for a conference. But having come on board being a newly hired uh, leadership team member, leading a program team that I've never seen uh, and building relationships. Again, relationships is key in our, in our work. As at first I was like, oh my God, what did I get myself into? <laughs> this is so hard. It's overwhelming, I'm it sure. Is, it, it can be. But again, the silver lining in that is meeting people where they are. Right. Mm-hmm. So right. I'm having conversations with people that, that have been here that are doing tremendous work and we're we're meeting 
and they're in yoga pants. Mm-hmm. I'm in a I'm in shorts and a t-shirt in the most comfortable place. Liz likes hearing home. that. I do. <laughs> I do. Yeah. You'll, you'll fit right in at the studio, <laughs> Chris. So <laughs> you know, so I'm I'm although this is a troubling time, I'm meeting people without very much pretense. Yes. Without the performance of having to dress a certain way, yes. showing up to a particular place and being quote unquote professional. Mm-hmm. All of those things are gone away with. They're out the window. They're out the window. It's the freedom that we have. The freedom, right? Mm -hmm. To just do the work. Yeah. Authenticity. Yes. Authenticity is very much real. And so having to limit, because I'm very much a hugger, it took everything. Me too. It's the worst. I know. know. You know, uh, but learning to communicate and feel and project energy, Mm -hmm. even through Zoom, Mm -hmm. even through a call. And tapping into different aspects of my personality that I didn't have to tap into before. Right. Uh, Different parts of my leadership that I didn't necessarily have to tap into before. And so it's been some days have been harder than others. I mean, you know, just like anybody else, my anxieties Mm -hmm. were through the roof some days and I've had to take a TV time out and, you know, cry it out. (laughs) A little bit of a Netflix marathon, something. I mean, thank God for the Internet. (laughs) Yeah. You know, or, or or. Seek counsel, mm-hmm. uh, dealing with my own yeah, uh, emotions. Sure. Um, but even in the midst of it, knowing that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, doing mm-hmm. exactly what I'm supposed to be doing, and there's no mistake in that. So no matter how hard the days are mm-hmm. or how overwhelming I may get, I trust that this is the right thing right now. And there's beauty even in the pandemic. Absolutely. You know, adjusting how we do business. Mm-hmm. Right. What's you know, what's important to me, <laughs> you know, my car sits in the same parking spot all day, every day. Mm-hmm. And I don't need to go to this place. Right. I can't just sit here mm-hmm. or I don't need to print thousands of copies of whatever. <laughs> I Or, you know, just thinking about how I live my everyday life to be most efficient mm-hmm. and most effective. And my full show up as my full, the full version of Chris again, removing the barriers. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Brilliant too. Molly, what about you? Follow up on that one. Yeah, really? (laughs) No, you can never, never follow Christopher Cable. Um, So in January, I made an announcement that I was going to be leaving communities and schools at the end of June. And I could have never envisioned this is where we would be. I am actually leaving. I'm leaving at the end of this week. And um, it's been it's hard to say this, but it may have been the most important time of my entire career being with the organization in the last four months. And that's because I got to connect with team members like Chris and others in new ways. And we weathered an incredibly scary storm together. Mm. It's also because in the wake of the murders of Ahmaud Arbery Mm -hmm. and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, we were able as an organization to really hear, listen to and hear our team members of color who have experienced horrific racism on a daily basis for their entire lives. And I had an opportunity to hear them and to recognize times when I haven't done enough, Mm -hmm. times when our agency should have stepped up in ways we hadn't, times when our community has remained silent And it just um, 
it lit a fire in me mm-hmm. that I, I really believe will never go out. And so that's been a tremendous gift. Uh, I acknowledge it's, it's been a gift that came from someone else's pain. And that's really hard, but ultimately it will make us all stronger. And um, I'm going to be leaving just incredibly connected and never been so in love with communities and schools than mm. I am now. Oh, that is beautiful. Without the pain, we would not have the growth. Without the pain, we wouldn't have the beauty. And it's, I want to, sometimes I want to say it's a shame we have to do that. But when you see the other side of that pain and look at how much progress you guys, the two of you and your communities and schools have made and all of us have. Lee and I tried to do a podcast about two white women talking about racism. We did the best we could. Mm. And we've all had to have a come to Jesus moment about all of this. And you cannot deny what's right in front of you. Mm. And you two are living the example of just the beautiful life of of owning it and walking it and showing us the power there is in change and what you, what we could do watching you as a community. Well, and we live it because of our team and we live it because of our kids and our families who, um, you know, there is no greater strength and heart than exists inside our kids and families. Yeah. And so that's a place that I think we all go to, to fill us up and, and to set an example for how all of us really need to be. Yeah. I mean, that the, the kids are the why yeah. behind everything. And I want to make it very clear that, you know, when we say the kids, we're not talking about those kids. Mm-hmm. We're talking about our kids. Our right. kids. And, and all kids are our kids. I don't have any. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you do. But I, I have a lot. <laughs> but I have so many. Yeah. Right. You know, Beautiful. and. That's that's the approach. And, you know, when we talk about the value of education, we and and the impact that racism has had on this in the world, you know, it's so often in conversations, we tend to go like hundreds of years ago, but we don't have to go that far back. Yeah. Mm -mm. You know, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and, you know, just recognizing that my parents, my father integrated the school in his in his hometown. Wow. Really? Yeah. He was the he was one of the first nine black black people. In I bet the he's got such a story. Yes. And his story includes being getting rocks thrown at him. Gosh. And, you know, and my mother being a child and, you know, road trips, they couldn't stop at certain places because they knew they, they couldn't be served. And my parents aren't aren't, you know, ancient. No, you know, right. my mother's 60, my father's 65. <laughs> and I'm older than they are. Right. And so, and so when we think about. <laughs> I remember about, these things. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So when we think about like my parents and their experience, we also have to think about taking into account that as my parents were experiencing that, some of my parents, some of my friends' parents were maybe the ones throwing the rocks. Right. Wow. Or knew someone who were throwing right. mm-hmm. the rocks. Or maybe I went to church with some of those exactly. people throwing the rocks. So, you know, so racism isn't mm-hmm. some far off land. Mm-hmm. It is right now. The people who lived just, we're talking about just wanting to go to school and you couldn't. Mm-hmm. And and the residual effects that that has had on this entire country in 2020. And again, we're not talking about some far off land. It's right here. It's It's right right now. And I think it's changing so rapidly because of this pandemic. And what were rocks back then 
maybe words, words. right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, racism evolves to protect itself, right? So it's the same thing. It's just in a different form. And it may be that when we talk about that bad school over there, Yep. That's mm-hmm. a rock we're throwing at kids right. who mm-hmm. are at that school because our kids who are at that school hear that and wonder, am I a bad kid because right. yeah. I'm at a bad school? It's everything about our language and and how we um, and how we treat the kids, our kids who we love. Yeah. Wow. Ooh. Okay, guys, I we can go all day. So powerful. I mean, we're just so grateful for your time and to help bring awareness to us, to our listeners, to the community. Um, I will point all everyone to your website, which is cisscharlotte.org, right? Correct. Good. Because there's always the the opportunity to support financially donation, but also on your website, you have plenty of information about volunteering, about your coaching programs, the social capital or social um, programs. And so I'd encourage everybody to just take a look. And if not with your specific organization, some, your point to, to look around you, to look at your schools in your neighborhood and what is it that we can do because it's a really tough time, but it will take, you know, just an awareness and an awakening to make a, make a step. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for that perfect question. Why is my child not going to that school? Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank we you. appreciate is- you for highlighting all of this important work and for helping us move forward as a community. Absolutely. And it takes all of us, not just some of us. Welcome back, everybody. I am Lee. And I am Liz Hilliard and excited to be here with Ginger. Yes, we have Ginger McAdams as our special guest today. Ginger is a first grade teacher at Charlotte Latin and a mother of three. So tell us, Ginger, a little more about that. Well, I am so excited. Thank y'all. I feel so honored. You know, teachers, moms, we don't get highlighted. This is so fun. (laughs) Um, This is my moment. Uh, Yes. You know what? Coming off, wasn't that a crazy spring? Coming off remote uh, learning. Yeah, we can all agree on that. Oh, I mean, everyone, look at what y'all had to right. adapt to and in the classroom as teachers and at home as moms and working parents. I mean, it was mayhem. But look, we all survived. We're smiling. The sun is shining. <laughs> I feel like we're going to be able to do it again. So you were a teacher, you were a first grade teacher at Latin mm-hmm. and you've got three children, right? Three children, three, age three, six and eight. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. You know, the three-year-old was the tricky one. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a challenge, period. You throw a pandemic on top of that. Now, tell us how you negotiated um, homeschooling as a professional teacher when all this came down in March. You know, I would love to say that as a teacher, I had this beautiful plan and it all went accordingly. And we, you know, just Mary Poppins our way right through it. But that was not it at all. Um, You know, the day before we started day one, I wrote out a schedule for what it was going to look like, what everybody was going to do every, you know, second of the day. I thought the hardest part is done. I've written the schedule. (laughs) After breakfast, nothing went accordingly. (laughs) Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So my first lesson learned, so that was my first, uh, my first failure before we even got to day one. But the lesson learned Mm -hmm. was I needed to live this new normal before I started putting expectations and boundaries and structure out there. And you know what? As a teacher, we have to do that same thing every year when we go in and have day one of a new class. And that was a great learning lesson for me right off the bat. And for my kids to see me have that, Mm. uh uh-oh, this didn't work. 
we need to come up with a new plan. I can't tell you how happy all our listeners are to hear a professional <laughs> school teacher say that. So I'm going to let you go ahead. But first of all, we want to thank you on behalf of all of our clients listening <laughs> for being a teacher and doing what you could do. Now, tell us a little bit more about once you realize there is no structure. Tell us about that. You you were also being asked to Zoom to your client to your to your students, and at the same time, homeschool three children, including a three-year-old, correct? Yes. No homeschooling. I will tell you right now what happened with the three-year-old. <laughs> it was just survival, survival and some management and lots of snacks. Um, <laughs> you know, so that's a great question. I think I definitely had to take that first week and figure out what everybody's needs were. And so we used you know, Google as the same, um, just like Zoom. And that's how we met live with our class. And I had to go through this first week. And this, I think, can apply. This will apply next time. We will probably go into this craziness again. Right. And any other parents who have to go through this, living that first week and figuring out who's handling what well, who's being expected to do what for their classes, what I need to do as a mom, what I need to do as a teacher, maybe what I need to do as a spouse, you know, all those things coming into play. And then filling in the pieces. The biggest piece, though, in that was figuring out what I needed to, for me, not for my kids, not for my students, not for my husband, what I needed. So once I decided the two things that I felt like I needed to make sure I had in my day. I think you need to say that one more time. People need to hear <laughs> right? about putting yourself first. Right. I really believe that that is the key to all the everyone's sanity, but also especially to your children's sanity. Absolutely. This is not a selfish thing to do, right? It's not. Don't we want our kids to do the same thing, you know, mm -hmm. to know that they need to value their needs, recognize their needs. And I am not a good mom or a good teacher if I'm not taking care of myself. And I learned that. I mean, you all talk about that with all that wellness and health initiatives that you all have and conversations you all have. But I realized I still needed to keep two things the same. I'm a real control freak. I'll put that out there right now. <laughs> I'm good if I'm in control. And when I'm not, I see things start to go downhill. So I knew I could stay in control of some things and not everything. So I still got up like I did all during the regular school year, worked out, got ready for school, did my whole thing before the children even got up. Then I could focus on them for a few hours. Mm -hmm. Then we all took a break as a family for lunch. And then once the three-year-old went down for his nap and the six and eight-year-old went to quiet time, I went live with my class and could do that for, you know, an hour and then have my meetings with my other teachers and then go back to the family. And that's a rough view of yeah. what it looked like every day. Some days, I'll be honest, my last successful moment feeling of success was after I got breakfast on the table. Sometimes it's downhill <laughs> the rest of the day, even though I had that great plan, but right. I got my workout in, I got my day started the way I needed to. And some days everything crashed after that. It was okay because these kids are kids. They're resilient. They're flexible. They're positive. If they see us being around them and continuing to put one foot in front of the other, they're good. So as right. long as we keep doing that, even on the days it feels like the other stuff is not going well, everybody, everybody can survive. Yeah. I love you and I have kind of talked about this before, but there's a lot more to homeschooling than just the educational academic aspect. And I think there's such opportunity for growth for children learning how to function within their family at home. So talk to us about, you know, beyond the schoolwork, what have you been able to teach or watch grow in your children? So kids can help 
they can help out a lot at home. And I think this is an art that has become a little lost. And we want to give our children so many opportunities. We forget they can also have a hand in some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So some of the stuff that we found, and I'm sure so many other people found after a while was, we can have them becoming more independent and taking more ownership over some household responsibilities. I think once a child's in grade school, they can do pretty much anything around the house that you know doesn't involve fire or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, but they can make beds. They can do the trash. They can get the breakfast cleared. They can, we had started a system where the two children now were feeding three meals out of the house. I was oh, not used to that. Wow. That's a lot. I mean, none of us were right. 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 And, um, so the six-year-old did all the sweeping, the eight-year-old would wipe down the tops and the three-year-old was so excited. He got to use the dust buster. Oh, so after great. the meals that took something off my plate. So giving them responsibility that, if you present it in a fun way mm-hmm. and you show them really what it is you want them to do and how this is helping, they get excited and jazzed up for it. And if it's something that truly helps you, that is, I mean, just adding things like that. And I think this is a great opportunity for us to create more independence and responsibility in our children. You know, we forget they can do so much to help. I mean, my eight-year-old would get the three-year-old up from his nap, get him a snack, get him outside. You know, if I was still finishing being live with my class. And I think that we, I think we forget that these children are just, they're just so capable. And for us to give them this opportunity to go, oh, I did that. I think this is an incredible opportunity for them. They would never get this in school. No. And in school, they're always doing what we prescribe. Right. And they do it so well. And they're just, you know, you have these little bodies who show up every day so Mm. excited and so eager. And we're cramming all this information into them every day, which is important. The academics are so important. But, and they get that athletic piece at school too. But what we can't focus on as much that they can get during this time at home is how can I be a great member of this household? A you know, member school, of the community. School, we teach that. We spend, you know, every every grade level in early education spends, you know, at least a month on a unit, part of your community. Who are you in your community? How can you be a community helper? But you can be a community helper right there in your house. Mm-hmm. And this is great. And these are life skills. We want them to take these along with them when they're living in houses in their future. So that was a really fun, I think that's something we can all do a better job on and be creative with. So you're speaking directly, I think, to the CMS kids because they Mm -hmm. are going to go to school and then they're going to be at home homeschooling. Now, you're at Charlotte Latin as a first grade teacher, right? Mm -hmm. You all are going back to school. We are. And I'm so excited. And tell me how that's, I know you can't tell me everything because you probably have plans that will change, but Mm -hmm. how does that structure look? So I think that this has been one of those, and Mark spoke, Reed spoke a little bit about to this in you all's last podcast, but I loved hearing, I've loved hearing the administrators talk about getting back to the basics. Mm -hmm. And so there are some wonderful programs and things that we push into our classrooms, assemblies, cultural events, arts activities, all this that is not part of the core curriculum. And we're so fortunate to be able to do these things. Right now, we're not in a place where we can be having as much pushed into the classroom. So we're eliminating that for right now and just doing the the core basics and adding on what we can. And as a teacher, I'm actually so excited about that. It's kind of like back to the right. good old days of reading, writing, arithmetic. Yes. And it's just us in the classroom. There, we're right. not going to be being pulled out for this assembly or going to this neat event yeah. that's being brought to campus. And we love all those events. And we're, again, so lucky to have them. But this fall... We're just going to be in our classroom with our students doing, you know, your traditional learning, reading, writing, arithmetic, and then getting to have that extra time 
to do your social building, your routines, your habits, your citizenship, your character building, your bonding. Because if we go back to remote learning, which we very likely could at some point, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have hooked them, you know, as yeah. who they are and who we are and have that relationship and have those routines down. Wow. So they can feel like they know the classroom and they're in the classroom, even if they're back at home. How hard will that be for you as a teacher to be with the same students all day long who obviously have different learning abilities, different learning styles? You know, I always liked the opportunity to experience different teachers and different students throughout the day. And obviously you're skilled and a professional, but is there a level of challenge where you're going to have to finesse a little more this year? Absolutely. I think we're going to be, have to be more creative, but this is what we're supposed to do. We're, we yeah. will only grow from this challenge. And right. I do think you hit the nail on the head. That'll be one of those challenges. You know, we're fortunate to have two teachers in classrooms mm-hmm. and where we can use that to our benefit right now is splitting into two groups. And my assistant who, I mean, I don't even need to use that word. She has exact same, exact same education, experience, teaching degrees, everything as I do. She has just chosen to, you know, take that, that lighter role as an assistant teacher, (laughs) but she's an amazing teacher. And so now she will have half the class and I will have half the class in two different spaces. So we will still be able to juggle some of that opportunity for differentiation, you know, balanced between our two groups and so much conversation And when you have only 12 students in a classroom, I mean, you know what a classroom feels like when you can shrink it down. That's like a large family. (laughs) You can still still so easily in so many creative ways and subtle ways meet the needs of each student Mm -hmm. with one teacher. I think one of the challenges, I would think, and maybe not at Charlotte Latin, but I would think the challenge might be that the... Well, you've got first graders, but people are going to come back at different levels. So you, I mean, at Latin kindergarten classes, they learn reading and they learn, you know, mathematical skills, I'm assuming. Are you concerned about the levels coming in being so different and how that challenge will be for you and your assistant? Actually, I'm not. I think that's definitely going to be the case. We definitely will have children. And like you said, especially in kindergarten, that's where I think it'll be more glaring than anything Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. those children are coming from really very little compared to what the grade school children had in the spring. Preschool's just didn't have as much, which makes sense. But I think these are the kinds of things teachers love to do. We love when you get a wide array, that wide range of students, it is so much more fun to play with that and to work with that and meet that than if you're handed one group and they all are exactly the same with all their exact skills, because then you're just approaching things one way. And this is where we get to keep thinking about that whole, what is your learning style? What are your learning needs? You know, do you need one-on-one? Do you need, we can't do small group as easily anymore. Um, But this is actually, I think teachers actually get pretty excited about that kind of thing. You know, we, we like that diverse feel when they all walk in and, oh my gosh, y'all are all in a totally different place. We enjoy that at Hilliard too. I, I was, was going to say, we're sitting in the room where I always go, now, if we were all the same, this would be the most boring <laughs> Boy, class in the ever. world, but we're all at different levels. So yeah. we challenge you at every level. Yes. So I think that's the beauty of creativity and the beauty of being a teacher right now, right? I, yes. And I love that. I love that analogy you just made. It's exactly like that. Yeah. When you all wouldn't want all of us no. to walk in and be able to do the exact right. same thing. You'll love walking around and, and fitting everybody to where they need sure. to be. So yes, that is what, I mean, I get excited thinking about that. That's yeah. going to be the challenge, but the fun challenge. And there's so many silver linings. I mean, getting to have them less disruptions in the classroom because we can't, as mm-hmm. we said, be transitioning all the time, all around campus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, specials teachers may be coming into the classroom to do okay. their lessons instead of going and 
we still get to be outside, you know, using the outside. That's mm-hmm. what children need. Yeah. And, and, and just to say, D. y'all are again going to be in masks, right? Teachers, Absolutely. students, yes. everybody on campus the whole time they're on campus in masks. Absolutely. Okay. Good yes. stuff. So they are, they are, I am, you know, bow down to all these administrators yeah. who spent the summer researching and reading and finding out all so these best practices. Follow up on that. If indeed you have to, again, go to remote learning, will part of the process in the beginning being, oh, here's how we do Zoom. Remember that? This is how we do it. And if we go home, think how much fun this will be. Yes. <laughs> Let's go into a practice run. Everyone pretends you're at home. home. But yes, we're going to be spending so much time practicing, you know, how to use this iPad. You know, if we need to use it, here's how we do these class meetings virtually. Mm-hmm. We expect the same behavior on the other side of the screen as we do in the classroom. Right. First graders are amazing with that. I mean, first graders listen to their teachers no matter where they are or what. They just, that's why I love this grade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that'll be a big focus is, and I think that administrators everywhere also understand that. And they want us to, if and when we go into remote learning, for that to be a productive, smooth transition. So they're understanding that a big focus, along with content, we would never let that fall, obviously, but we'll be getting them acclimated yeah. to the platform that they'll be using if we go back home and we didn't have that opportunity last time. Right. So that'd be nice. So my question is again, more about the technology. Will you obviously use it in the classroom, but how much, like, is there a level of, we were talking to someone a minute ago about zoom fatigue. Like you don't want to burn them out on technology before you potentially go home and do that. So what will that role play in your classroom to start the year? So I think now in first grade, sort of like kindergarten, in the classroom, we really rarely okay. have ever brought out iPads just because they need pencil, paper, right. hardcover books, and things in their hands, tangible. They need that. Um, this will call for a different use of them. We will do more, I would assume, um, pulling them out and introducing them whole group each day to maybe one new thing or each right. week to one new thing, but definitely not. We, while we have them in the classroom, yeah. we don't want them to be looking down at that iPad. We want their right. eyes on us and, yep. you know, getting to know the patterns on my mask every day. <laughs> we want them looking right here. Isn't it amazing how expressive you can be behind a mask? You were I, just right. talking about that. My biggest fear was that I'm a big smiler. Yeah. And, and <laughs> my biggest fear is they wouldn't know. And then I looked in the mirror one day and I watched. I was like, oh, wait, you can see my eyes change. You can tell I'm smiling, <laughs> right? Right. We actually glue a big smile here. Oh. Um, we have gotten clear clear masks. That have you a have. Clear oh, that's thing a right good idea. For the first grade teachers. Great. So we can, they can see us and, you know, when we teach them new sounds, Exactly. When we say do this, they need to see, see what I'm doing. Lips. <laughs> so, okay. But no, technology will definitely not become, again, we haven't planned this part of it, but that we would never let that overrun our face to face time because it's so. It's, it's so valuable. It's what they need. Right. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Let's talk yeah. about overload of technology. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, to me, that's, like, I was actually going to throw that to you, Lee. Sure. Uh, I mean, I think one point, and I want to kind of delve into this and take it any way you want, but you mentioned in your schedule, quiet time, like your youngest goes for a nap, but I find it highly commendable that your eight, six, and six, eight. six and eight year old also go to to their rooms for quiet time, which includes no screens, right? Mm-hmm. How'd you do that? Please don't ever, <laughs> ever tell my eight-year-old that this is not a standard for all eight-year-olds. I am dreading That's the, the day he finds out. Wants to know. Right. right. I am dreading the day he finds out. No, that is, I would definitely not, not assume that's a practice that most families yeah. have done. That is just something we have always done. I need quiet time. Right. I've always recognized that about myself. When we're on summer break, and I'm so lucky to be a teacher and get to have summer break, 
I still need two hours away from everybody. Suck down another cup of coffee. Right. Think about what my day needs to look like. You know, just do those things you need to do for you. Kind of getting back to that you piece. So we have always kept that quiet time. It's never too late. Like any routine, yeah. it is never too late. Here's why we do it. One, primarily for me, because I really do need that. Two, children these days are never without noise and sound. You know, they all think about babies now all have sleep machines. I didn't have a That's sound machine when I was growing right. up. So yeah. they've all yeah. been born with sound constantly. You're right. And um, I think that that is something that children have now become so uncomfortable with quiet. And this is something we really need to retrain children to be comfortable with quiet. And when you have a child go to their rooms, and th- none of our ch- children are deprived. If they have, right. you know some books in their room and a set mm-hmm. of blocks. It doesn't matter what's in their room. What about if they're 13 or 14 and they've <clears throat> been on their phone for five years or their pad? What? Are, how's that going to go down? Well, this is where my old school side comes through. I would yeah. just say, this is the way. This is yeah, the way. Baby. I'm one of those, you know, I, you get a lot of choices, but I get to make some of these. <laughs> um, I don't mind playing the Wicked Witch sometimes, but I do think, and that would be a really hard, that's a mm-hmm. hard age to institute something like that. And it may not be as drastic as two hours. But I feel hours. like it's necessary. I, do too. I think exactly what you're saying is, I need it. I for, I just thought yep. about the sound machine. I I'm going to institute this at home with we're you. We're going to. You are going to institute. <laughs> I challenge you too. Okay, the two of us. We'll report oh, back. This will be bad. But we're we're going to do the sound we're gonna machine. We're going to do it. That is just too much. We have to have the sleep yeah. thing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Right. I don't know. Do you? <laughs> do you? Yeah, but then you hear all the birds and the you know. If you keep drinking, and you still drink your hot milk with that stuff you talk yes. about? Yes. Yes, I do. I've the passion about Ever since that podcast, oh, have you tried it. So no, good. but I've been intrigued. So good. I might. It's a little warm outside right now for hot milk at night, but I'm going to just tell you, it just sounds great. It makes it makes you feel warm and cozy, and makes you sleep well, uh, and it does have passion potion. And you it. may not need a sound machine. It's so great. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> One thing at a time, <laughs> Ginger. <laughs> Baby steps. Baby steps. <laughs> right? You're doing great. Oh my god. But I do. I think that you know, and there are so many days, almost every day, when I'm closing the door and. I said, and they'll still sometimes listen to me read the three-year-old, his story. And, um, and then they go into their rooms and then I'll go check in with them and, and say, I'm, all right, I'm headed downstairs now. I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. And they'll say, oh, but I'm bored. I don't know what to do. I'm mm. like, oh, that's a-okay. You'll figure it out. Which is exactly what they don't want to hear. <laughs> yeah. And I walk out, I just close the door as I'm saying that last thing, you know, don't worry, you'll be fine. And within 20 minutes, they're doing, and one day my eight-year-old had gone to the playroom and brought three different versions of Monopoly back and he had them all out. And I don't even know what he was doing, right. but he was somehow, Who cares? I don't know if he's playing them all or compete. Using his imagination. He was using imagination and they need that. They just, we need them to be able to think in silence and think when there's a blank slate and just be on their own. It's so healthy for, I mean, when I came here today, that's, we had gotten wicker down and I'd gotten the other two settled in quiet time. And it's just, it's necessary. I think it's so healthy for their minds. And you think about back to what you all said, the zoom, the Google calls, Mm -hmm. all this time on the screen. Mm -hmm. If they take this couple hour break and then follow it up with, you know, a family bike ride or a walk like y'all do all the time, you know, it's, it's, you've just, Oh my gosh, there's so many gifts just See, right I'm, in that I'm time. bad. We're going to probably go on a walk after this, right? Don't we like to do that? Let's do it. In the blazing heat. <laughs> That's a lot lovely. But, but I'm always, I'm the one carrying my phone. 
I just right. because somebody might need me, something might yeah, happen. Yeah. I've got to be on call 24-7. I feel like I'm going into the first grade with her. It's, I'm doing you don't this. need your phone. So my you friends don't. always, I close my phone when I walk into my classroom at 7, and I don't pull it back out until about 4.30. And... I love it. It's like when you get on a plane and they tell you get to turn, turn it off. Yes. off. It's <laughs> oh I, that detachment is yeah. good. You mm-hmm. know, it'll be fine if you go on a walk without your phone. Mm-hmm. And if you see something miraculous and you think, oh, I wish I had my phone. Remember it. Or if it's I get okay. a text message about something with a client, it can wait for can. another 45 minutes. Or here's the other thing. Our memories are, are, not being utilized at all anymore. It's actually, you're training your mind so much. If you go, okay, I'm just gonna have to think of something that helps me remember when I get home, those three things that I thought of on the walk, because I can't type them in right now. You're doing so much for your brain right there. Exactly. That's it. Love this. Yeah. Now, this I only a- do about half these things. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I love you, but I make it sound really yes. great. Yes, you do. Oh. oh my gosh. Okay. So as Control freak, mm-hmm. self-admitted. Absolutely. Go back to, I don't know, the kitchen and Ooh. paint a picture of your kids doing the work their way. Mm. Or, my, or my husband or doing husband. it his way. Yes, this is a big deal <laughs> Because too. at least the children, I can train them how right, to right. do it the right way. There's one way to load the dishwasher. I can't train my husband. That just doesn't feel right. Right. Um, so there was definitely a big piece of me having to, you can't do everything. That was probably, and I had a few handful of moments throughout that how long were we in quarantine? A week. We're still weeks. in it, right? right? We, I, think right. We I think so. <laughs> so it's been months. All of that. I just <laughs> faced it all out. Um, there was, I had a handful of times where just kind of it all, you know, it all hits you and you just, yeah. I can't do it. I can't do it. And those are the moments I have to remember. I can't have control over everything. And if my husband says, oh, I'll clean up the kitchen. I know it's not going to look what I think of as clean. Maybe now he's happens to be great in the kitchen. So he's just going to do it a different way. Mm-hmm. And I need to be okay with that. Yeah. That was actually a struggle for me at the beginning sure. because he wonderfully offered to do the things that I couldn't do, you know, either getting the three-year-old down if I need to hop on with a student early or doing some of these different things. And the way he did it looked differently. You know, mm-hmm. I always put the children down. He did it differently. And I thought, well, that's not how you do it. <laughs> and he said, you're right. That's how I do it. And, right. and it took him pointing out to me. He said, I can tell this is killing you. And I do, I am going to do it differently. But how great that now they're going to know mm-hmm. how to respond to two different ways mm-hmm. of it. And he made right. such a good point. And I needed to hear that because, you know, when you think about not just two parent families, think about all the single parents mm-hmm. out there. I have plenty of friends family members who operate as a single parent. And during this, that must be tough right that, now. Yes. Very. very and truly. I kept thinking when I thought it was hard, it's so much harder when you don't have that other adult mm-hmm. to lean on mm-hmm. and, um, emotionally, physically, mm-hmm. yeah. spiritually anyway. Absolutely. And so I think, but single parents can follow those same things of figuring out what you need first and making sure that those needs are met. Right. And then you do have to figure, you know, giving your child responsibilities, just like we talked about earlier, to alleviate some of the pressure. But then the piece that you don't have is you can't have the other adult do some of these things. Right. Um, and that's that's really hard. That's where you have to go back to taking care of yourself. But yes, the controlling side of me really hit a bunch of walls at the beginning <laughs> when I realized I couldn't do everything. And right. so other people were going to have to. And that was going to look different, but great lessons. 
Right. Awesome. I think totally. that's the difference in the people that are cruising. Not no one's cruising through this time. If they are, but those that are <laughs> give me a call. Really thriving and creating habits that you'll have after this time is over. Which we keep. I keep reminding our clients and myself and each other. This is going to be over. And yes. when it's over, I mean, we have already, we've already decided we really like our alone time a lot. Yeah. You know, yes. we've got events constantly back in a mm-hmm. hundred years ago. Whenever that happened, <laughs> whenever we wore makeup and high heels, remember that? And used all those great clothes. And we, yeah. Know, we have these classes. great clothes. But now I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pick and choose because I really like how we've done these things. And I think you and your husband will be so much like that too. I think so too. And, you know, I said to him one day as we are nearing the end of the, you know, the stay at home portion and I got, I got some anxiety built, started yeah. having anxiety building up. And I thought, well, I don't want to go back. I lo- I've loved, and I'm a huge extrovert. I yeah. am as extrovert as they come energy from people. That's why I love my job. But socially I loved staying home for weeks upon end. And he said, well, you know, we don't have to do everything that we did before. And I said, I know I hate to disappoint people. And he said, that's not it. That's and, not and I think that oh, we're all going to come so out really differently. I and I think do. even people that do events and, and the people that are suffering, not, there's so many ways you can suffer in a pandemic, but, but truly like some of the arts and some of the things that we have supported, they've had all their events are canceled. Event planners, <laughs> it's just a domino effect. We've yeah. talked about this before. Yeah. I think what people will do, will focus in and go, Here's the time we've got. Mm-hmm. We're not going to ask the public or the people that support us to go to 12 events in one season. And, and you know, sounding a little bit, you know, high and mighty right now, but well, you know, I hope we you're do right. those sorts of things for our community. Mm-hmm. And as a business, I do that as a business and I'm going to feel very differently about how I support and what's really going on behind those doors. Yeah. I mean, I think you you talk a lot about authenticity and realness, and this is going back to education and the root of it, the basics, what's really important in Mm -hmm. our lives and what do we want to show children? I mean, I think you Mm -hmm. talk a lot about resilience and how, you know, Liz, you asked, are kids going to be okay through this? I said, yes, these children are resilient. They, I believe firmly, they are not going to have negative long-term effects. You know, most of them are coming out of this with having gotten a little more sleep. Their parents aren't rushing them out of the house for so many events anymore. They're having more time outside, more vitamin D. My gosh, that's so healthy for them. And... Well, we do worry. We just talked with uh, communities and schools and there are the other side of that where some children are going through it. But what I'm also hoping and seeing and we talked about on the way to this interview was people are stepping up and seeing that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, things have been uncovered. There are people that don't have the um, availability of don't even have a home or food, Mm -hmm. but people are starting to pay attention like, what are happening to those children that we're not seeing on Zoom or that both parents work or worse? So I think the awareness is there yeah. now. All of us have it. Yes. And the three of us are sitting here in a really beautiful place mm-hmm. and knowing that we can do for our families and with that awareness also that we could do for others. Exactly. And I think that that's, and that goes back to like what, what Mr. Reed was saying last right. week is that, you know, if we can go back to kindness and yeah. You know, throw respect yeah. in there too. I, yeah. We will, we will get through this. And <clears throat> so much goes back also to we, a big responsibility we do have is modeling. I mm-hmm. think, 
you know, both of those two things, kindness and respect and love, of course, but going to school, whether you are a teacher going into it excited, you're a teacher going into it very apprehensive. Maybe you're a parent sending your child in and you're nervous. Modeling though, that you should definitely own those feelings and know where they are. But as adults, we can model that sense of calm and just putting one foot in front of the other and- Let's just mm-hmm. keep, let's keep moving. Mm-hmm. Let's keep moving. Keep moving. Now you're speaking the, the now <laughs> that's you're your love language. <laughs> now, now you're preaching the gospel. Oh, no, you're speaking about it. Just you just moving. keep moving. Just you're going to be moving. fine. Oh, we one, are, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, smiling, moving. We have the sun right. shining and, right. and they're children. And we all they're, needed this pause button mm, so that yeah. we, at the, and we're in a, we're in a long pause button. <laughs> it's right. still paused. It's still paused, <laughs> but we're moving through it. It's not that mm-hmm. we're stopping and going, holding our breath and going, I can't wait for this to be over and things to get back the same. I haven't talked to one person that wants things to get back the same. Have you? Right. No. And I love that. Yeah. And I love it. And you hear of parents, you know, moms or dads who are home doing their work that they used to maybe do outside the house. And I have not heard one person complain. I mean, the, the, the logistics can be tricky on certain days, but parents are getting to have lunch with their children right. more often and getting to see them while they're on a call, see them playing outside. And they're just, you can, you know, finding those things. And I completely agree. The pause button, I feel like nobody is now saying, I just need to know how many more weeks of this. Yeah. We're past that whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like, I know. We don't know who's in control of that pause we're button. So we stopped. Year. What year yes, is this? Now we're just going. Right. We're just going. And you know, this is monumental for, for human race. So we are just gliding and without <laughs> anyone really knowing. This is good for us. The controlling people of the world. We can do this. That's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. What are some tips, like break it down when you were at the beginning of this and doing the schedule. I mean, do you write things down? Do you talk with your husband about it? Are you kind of solo? Where do parents begin? Mm. Oh gosh, so much that goes back to, you know, your love language and your communication language. Yeah. But I do think the biggest takeaway for me, and I do think this can apply to almost everybody, is living a new normal before you plan the new normal. So if your new normal is That's you have a child in CMS and they're no longer going to be physically in the classroom and maybe you're exploring a learning group in your neighborhood or a tutor, whatever you're doing, let that new normal get underway before you plan every detail of what's going to look like. Because I think it also shows our children that we're willing to be flexible and move with this as we figured out and that we don't know. That also came up so many times during remote learning. Parents who had no idea, myself included, there were some times I didn't know how to do second grade math with my second grader, (laughs) you know, and it's, it was so great for him, I'm sure, to see me have to reach out to his teacher, you know, and I'm a teacher. But I think that children need to see us in those real moments, being really honest. Um, so I think living the new normals before you really plan exactly, we just can't plan those routines as well. Um, while routines are very important, but, and having grace with yourself, grace with those Mm -hmm. around you and seeing what people need and also communicating what you need. I think that was another hard one, you know, community, you know, especially for people who are used to being in charge and do it really well. You know, some of that stuff you're in charge of, you may not be able to be in charge of anymore. And so communicating if that's tough or if that's a frustration or if there's something that's just not working in your household. Right. Having to talk about it. No, I'm not someone, I'm someone who tries to handle it on my own and then it does not go (laughs) well. Um, So I've definitely learned that, that early communication. But my biggest one is having grace and living something for a little bit 
that's completely mm-hmm. uncharted territory before you try to figure out exactly yeah. how it's going to look and flexibility. work. Flexibility. Yes. Again, this is also good for our kids to see us model. I agree. It's so good. It's so hard for us. It's hard for us. But like you said, I think it's be- it's easier for them. Not easier, but mm-hmm. they are resilient. Absolutely. So we're going to model behavior of putting our phones and our iPads away for Done. a couple of hours a day. Maybe turning the sound machine down every turning day. Turning the sound <laughs> I can live with the sound down. machine. We'll yeah, go the down. The technology down is more important than the sound first machine. Yeah. First. But, but you're exactly right. And we're sitting in here, and I'm sure our listeners can hear the loud lawnmower. <laughs> there is simply no time in our lives where there's no source. It's so sound. true. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great idea. I think that's going to be a big takeaway from, from this conversation. Absolutely. I hope. So you've been a teacher for 15 years. Is this? Haven't left first grade I yet. Know. So you, it has been first grade the whole every, time. Every step of the way. What do you love about first grade so much? The fact that the kindergarten teachers who are all wonderful in the world have already done the really hard yeah. work. Um, I love that they are ready to take independence and ownership over their learning and their school day and they can handle that. So I love getting the okay. challenge to throw that at them, but they also still look at us as mom or dad. Mm. Um, oh, that's kind of nice. And they even let that slip sometimes, you know, they'll say, mom, I have a question. And then they go, I'm oh, sorry, wow. Mrs. McAdams. And it's just endearing. And I just love that shows that they have that, you know, children that age still have that comfort. If there's an adult who's taking care mm-hmm. of them, no matter if it's an academic setting or anything, mm. I love that. I love that. And the content you're teaching at that age mm-hmm. and yeah. the stuff that you're modeling and talking about is just, it's warm, feel good stuff. Right. And they're little so sponges. Much they are. Oh my gosh. And you get to be silly. I mean, I would be in front of 23 six-year-olds all day and be <laughs> silly and funny. Then, you know, things like back to school night come and you have 23 sets yeah. of adults <laughs> looking back at you and I go, oh, oh I try true. jokes are not funny when you're nervous. And, you yeah. know, six-year-olds are so much, they just, easy they, audience. they think I'm funny. They're just happy. I, I wish I was in her first grade class. I know. I, it, Life's good. There. I, it, really and truly, I, I'm, I'm so pleased for your students that you, that you are their teacher. What can you say to teachers that are really frightened? I know that they are. I think Some that's are a frightened. great question. You know, I have close family members and close colleagues, both who have that approach. And my first thought, I will admit, my first thought was judgment. Well, why are you scared? School wouldn't be asking us to come back if, if you know, they mm-hmm. didn't think it was safe. And then I had, you know, over hour long conversations with both of those people. And I just listened to their, their concerns and really where they were. And that helped me so much. Sometimes I forget I need to listen as much mm-hmm. as I talk. And that helped me understand. And a big piece of this is just having faith in, in mm-hmm. what you're about to do. Um, but another big piece is talking about what you're nervous about, because there's mm-hmm. usually going to be somebody who can help you with one of those concerns. Um, I also think we don't have to think that we're going to solve all of these current problems. I mean, as teachers, our only job is to go in and smile and deliver some structure and routine and get, get these children back on that, that comfort they feel at Mm -hmm. school and that excitement and that energy. And we can do all that while keeping ourselves very safe and, and wear your mask and wear our masks. I, I really wear I your really mask and your face much. shield. Yeah. Where, yeah. Are you going to do a face shield? We have face shields I in first grade for idea. when we are in close proximity with yeah. them, which we are all, day. all the time. Sure. Um, sure. And so it's great. Double layer. We're going to wash our hands all the time. We're going to be safe and it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. I cannot wait. 
Good. Oh, I'm glad you all get to go I mean, back. I'm counting down the days. I'm always How excited many, for what summer. What is the date? Go back. Remind we, me. Our first day with students is, I believe, August 19th. August 19th. Okay. Okay. So, all yes. right. We're excited about weeks. that too. I know. I know. Maybe I know. Some- Parents will have some free time I to come know, work man. out. Yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully, hopefully you might be back in here before we well, know. Well, we're having a good time working out outside. We're making oh. some plans to do some new things outside. I loved my parking lot workout. And we're, gonna have, we're actually going to have a back to school sort of party. Little party. But it's going to be outside. And I love that. We're, I'm going to talk about it because we have a special Surprise. little thing. Let's hear do. it. Yeah, well, we'll talk about it. Okay. You know what we're going to I'm going to say it. Go ahead. Okay, I have We to have say nothing it. planned but this. We have nothing planned, but <laughs> we know the name. Says, I'll I've take got to give Carrie D. Are you a little nervous that, that right now? Like, what's coming? She goes, okay, I love this idea. Let's call it a masquerade. Uh, we all wear our masks. Ding, ding. And we're all going to go outside and we're going to have a morning sort of juice. And oh. we're going to do a cocktail, but you know, it's too hot out there. It's too hot at 5 so we p.m. in the parking feel, lot. Again, it's like uh, having our clients come in like your students and feeling some sense of normalcy. Yes, mm-hmm. together. Like having a 930, you know, juice and coffee and we'll get either not just coffee or one of our buddies to bring some goodies over yes. here. Yes. And, I uh, love that. And that's normal. normal. That's normal. And your the kids will be back wherever yes. they are, and or maybe they won't. But you know what? We're just gonna we're gonna roll with this. Do it. Yeah. I think that is, and you know, people will be so excited just thinking about that. Yeah. Just think about oh, that's familiar. To do. Yeah. yeah. I always roll into Hilliard at nine thirty. This is so exciting. Exactly. You know, for those people who that's yeah. their schedule. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Masquerade on. Yes. So much fun. Well, it's been so much fun to talk to you, everybody. We are far away in the studio. So this feels kind of real. Sorry if it's I know they're on the other side of a beautiful bench. (laughs) We are. It's kind of fun. I know it is fun to be back in here. So Ginger, you are a breath of fresh air. So positive. So many great tips. I know our listeners will really appreciate having a teacher and a mom give real life advice. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it. And thank you all so much. Thank you, Ginger. Best of luck for a smooth uh, sailing. Wait. Smooth sailing down the new year. year. Into the school year. Oh, thank you thank so much. You. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Hilliard Studio Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, take a moment to subscribe to the Hilliard Studio Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and a review so that others can find us. We're looking forward to reopening Hilliard Studio Method soon, but until we know when we can do that, we're going to keep providing you with great HSM content, including at-home workouts, healthy tips for you and your family, as well as candid conversations with Lee and Liz. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hilliard Studio Method for all the latest HSM news. Book classes, stream workouts, buy gear, and much more at our website, HilliardStudioMethod.com. That's it for now. We'll talk to you next week.